Monday here on ESPN Plus on a Liga MX final Thursday. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Herc, as always, great to be with you. This is episode 250 of Football Americas. Can you believe it? Yep, I cannot. That's what I, said. I cannot. Congratulations, Seb. Yeah, we made it. I, I, I'm just hoping I don't get you upset because when you wear that jacket, I tend to upset you. Oh, really? What was the last time I wore this jacket? I threatened to choke you on air. Oh, I do remember that out in uh, out when I was in one of our first visits to the LA studios. Yeah. That's why we got to be separated literally. But it looks good uh, on you. By a whole country. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, the yellow really pops. Uh, what do you got there? This is a limited edition. Mm-hmm. It's Show a us. Japan jersey, but it's the Dragon Ball Z Goku. Wow. Wow. Look at her. Just always dripping here on Football Americas. All right, coming up in this edition of the show, we've, uh, of course, got to talk about the first leg of the Liga Mekis final. Tigres, yes, Chivas uh, kicking off later tonight. Mauricio Pedrosa is going to stop by. We're going to do that at the end of the show, kind of a, a preview vibe uh, as we get ready for kick there. We also got some big interviews in this show. Pellegrino Matarazzo. I had a chance to go one-on-one with him. The manager at Hoffenheim got them effectively safe in the Bundesliga. We'll also hear from Ethan Horvath, who's about to play for a spot in the Premier League with Luton Town. All that coming up here on this edition 250 of Football Americas. But let's start with something that is near and dear to our heart here on the show, Herc. The U.S. Open Cup. And we're going to kick it off with some cup sets because there was two of them. Uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Columbus Crew, and the Hounds beating MLS opposition, Herc, for a second round in a row. I mean, it's an open lane down the center. He's not going to miss from there. Very calm. Look at the crowd right behind him. Albert Dequa with the goal for Pittsburgh. 6,100 in attendance there at Highmark Stadium. A record as the hands are moving on. Also Wednesday, Birmingham Legion, Charlotte FC. Charlotte had a man sent off early in the second half, and 10 minutes later, Prosper Kasim with the goal, Herc. All right. I've been told it's the most important game in Alabama's soccer history. They did not disappoint. They did not disappoint winning the Southeastern battle there over Charlotte FC by a final score of 1-0. All right, Herc, of the two cup sets we witnessed in the round of 16, which for you was more impressive? Listen, they're both impressive. Let's not take anything away from any of these two teams. But more impressive, let me go with the team that's been around for four years. Okay, Birmingham. The Pittsburgh Riverhounds, I'll get to them in a second. They've been around for 24 years. Great organization. But Birmingham, a team of second chances, if you will, against Charlotte. And say what you will about Charlotte. But it wasn't like they held on. If you look at the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, something, Columbus had something like 73% possession. Yes. They both yeah. played alternate lineups. But Birmingham took it to them. I understand there was a red card about 50 minutes in. Uh, but still, if you look at the numbers, overwhelmingly on Birmingham. It was like 60-40 when it came to possession. Something like 8-1 to in the second half when it came to shots on goal. Now, I'm going to throw some names at you, okay? Jay Heaps, do you remember him? New England Revolution. Of course. Okay, yep. President GM. Tom Sawin, do you remember him? He's the DC head United. Coach. DC United, head yep. coach. Juan Agudelo, he was my roommate on the national team at one point in a Russia camp. He uh, plays up top with them. Uh, Mikey Lopez, New York City FC. Uh, Enzo Martinez, you remember him? Uruguayan to play for Colorado at one point. Uh, this is a team of second chances that took it to a major league soccer team, not just held on. Took it to him. The crowd was electric. It was amazing. A team that's barely been around for four years. What a way to make your presence felt. Mm. This, to me, was the biggest surprise of them all. Okay. 
eight players with MLS experience in the starting lineup for Birmingham Legion yeah. uh, FC as they got the cup set there last night. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Herc, and it's because, kind of for the same reasons you talk about with Birmingham, the how they did it. Right? You talk about the 73% possession. It was actually 75% possession for the Columbus crew. But the question then is, what did they do with that possession? 0.4 expected goals. Now, I'm not a big expected goals guy. You don't have to know anything about math or statistics or anything. 0.4 expected goals is bad, especially when you have the ball for three quarters of the game. So let's give the Pittsburgh Riverhounds some credit. Uh, the other thing that was amazing, and you saw it right there in the video, Herc, uh, is the crowd. If you've ever been to, to Pittsburgh Stadium, it's right on the Monongahela River. It's a beautiful skyline of the city, but it's small, and they got over 6,000 in there. In fact, it drew so much attention, our future colleague, Pat McAfee, Herc, was talking about it on his show. This is truly the magic of the Open Cup. Let's listen in. I seen the Pittsburgh Riverhounds beat the Columbus Crew last night. Yeah. yeah. Big win. Okay. Woo! Team out of Pittsburgh with stadium right on river down oh, there. It's a That's right. You got down there in North Shore. Yep. Now, yep. soccer field. Yep. <laughs> On the river. Mm -hmm. Couldn't even imagine or fathom the wind down there. And that's what you get a little grit when you come to Gritsburg yeah. and play the Gritsburg Riverhounds. Yep. Right. Beat the out of the Columbus crew. See ya. Put them in the MLS now. Yeah. Okay? You should. That's Put the them. way it works. Down in Han Town, what do you think, Herc? I love Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh mm -hmm. has history, American soccer history. I'm old enough to remember them making a run. Do you remember Thiago Martins? Do you remember that great Brazilian player that played for the Pittsburgh Riverhounds? Was a DC United player at one point, Chivas USA. Amazing story. The guy literally was like on a beach playing soccer. They found him because he didn't have anywhere to live. Went to Santa Barbara. Ended up being a great story at the University mm -hmm. of Santa Barbara. And then in uh, the A-League, MVP of the A-League, to what is Major League Soccer. But it all happened because of the Open Cup. It all happened because of that season. It's an amazing, amazing tournament with tons of great stories and that always fond in our hearts. But I still remember that team from the early 2000s. Yep. Yeah, the Riverhounds made the quarterfinals in 2001. That's their last kind of high watermark in the Open Cup. I also give them a shout-out because they're, they're what a lot of USL teams are trying to be but aren't quite yet. They are truly Western PA kids. Like the yeah. kid that gave the assist on the goal, played at Upper St. Clair. That's one of the high schools right there in Pittsburgh. They're a true Pittsburgh team. And if you thought they liked beating Columbus, they're going to love beating Cincinnati. People in Western PA, they love beating teams from Ohio. So I think there could be another cup set in the cards there. Let's get to the rest of the action, Herc from the round of 16, because there were some other great games, so no more cup sets. We'll start with FC Cincinnati and the New York Red Bulls. FC Cincinnati getting by in a penalty shootout, Herc. Yeah, penalty shootout doesn't matter how. That's Cincinnati undefeated in the last state. This team is on a roll. I believe they only have one loss on the season. Perfect at home, and now they'll advance. This was obviously not there, but it's good for Cincinnati. Keep it rolling. Meanwhile, Inter-Miami getting a 2-1 victory over Nashville. So Inter-Miami making a cup run, Herc. Yeah, Nashville with a lot of uh, lineup changes here. Miami absolutely needs this. You understand what is going on in Miami. You see how tensions are high. You saw the altercation between uh, Philip Neville and a reporter last game. They needed this. You know who else needs a cup run? The Houston Dynamo. They won 4-0 over Minnesota. Yeah, I'd like to talk about Ben Olsen. He's doing a great job. But let me talk about Kerry Baird. Corey Baird, excuse me, had a hat trick in this game. Mm. He's already, that's now his most productive season since 2019. Three assists to go with that in Major League Soccer play. 
Minnesota finishing this game with 10 men. In fact, they played most of it with 10. Chicago, 2-0 winners over Austin. Another knockout elimination for Austin FC. And in Austin. In Austin. This is massive. Frank Lopez, he was a commentator turned coach. I mean, he's been there, done that before. But since he's taken over, 3-1-1 record. Commentator turned coach. When are they going to give you a call, huh? I'm good. Colorado RSL, RSL, 1-0 winners on a goal from Jefferson Savarino. Second time this week they've beaten Colorado, uh, RSL that is, and Colorado winless at home in all competitions. Oh, they need something to happen. There it is, RSL, 1-0 winners. How about the game of the round? El Trafico, LAFC and the LA Galaxy. And the Galaxy win 2-0 goals from Tyler Boyd and Ricky Pooch. Watch this banger from Tyler Boyd off the left foot. And then look at this golazo. I want you to concentrate on the goal, but look at Chicharito right here with the shield. Look at him. Ooh. He's shielding the defender. They didn't catch that. Great play by him. Ricky Pooch with the goal, the celebration, and afterwards a little run-in with Giorgio Chiellini. Here it is. Uh, what are we calling this? Uh, shots fired or get lost? I think we're gonna do a get lost. But there we have Ricky Pooch's social media response. Uh, and as you can see, Ricky Pooch and Giorgio Chiellini, not the first time that they've crossed paths on a soccer field. Chiellini calling Pooch a clown after the Galaxy advanced to the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. We're calling it Get Lost. Her who we giving the Get Lost to? Ricky Pooch or Giorgio Chiellini? Let me give it to both of them. Right? Oh, pick. Yeah. You got a pick. I I'm going one further and calling them both. I'm telling them both to get lost. All right, listen to this. Uh, if you're Ricky Pooch, you, you get lost for, for trying to replicate a celebration that Messi did against a bunch of kids who, who can't even drink right now. And that's not his fault, right? <laughs> but this was a C team at best by LAFC. And by the way, those kids have a future. Those kids were balling in the first half. Very good players. See Trill Little House out there. But Ricky Pooch, the reason he does a celebration is not mm -hmm. to dunk on these kids. He's done it, trying to dunk on the fan base of LAFC because after he misses a penalty kick, those fans went into him. So when he scores, rightfully, he wants to rub it in their face, and he's doing what he wants to do. Yeah, right, some showers play. there, too. Fair play, whatever, whatever. But it's, it's, it's a little much. So, mm -hmm. so get lost right there. But then if you're Giorgio Chiellini, I mean, Go up to him. Say it to his face. Don't right. say it when you're turning the corner. That's a get lost on you right there. But then the reaction by Ricky Pooch of posting a goal that he scored in preseason on a preseason tour against Giorgio Chiellini. He was probably somebody still else posted that. Herc, we're get, we're, we're, somebody oh, else posted that. They posted okay. it. They posted it, and he quoted it. Okay? Oh, okay, okay. He quoted it. So, so you're do, you're you're quoting a goal like rubbing it in his face that you scored in preseason when Giorgio Chiellini was probably still hung over from, guess what, the Euros that he won, okay, with <laughs> Italy. Like, it's a get lost on all facets. And okay. also, can I get a get lost for Seb Sebastian Salazar, please? Oh, why? Go on, yeah. Because Sebastian Salazar told me this was the best rivalry game in Major League Soccer. It is. Could you imagine Chivas or America strutting out their C team? Under any circumstances to play mm. against their biggest rival? Could mm. you imagine Rangers doing that to I Celtic? I was disappointed Could in you LAFC's imagine approach. Barca or, or Real Madrid doing mm. this? Could you imagine yeah. Portland or Seattle? Because they wouldn't do this doing this. What happened, Seb? You told me this was the best rivalry in Major League Soccer. You know what? 
They disrespected the LA Galaxy a little too much. They've been watching this program, and they said we can roll out just about anybody, and we'll be fine getting past the LA Galaxy. LAFC have bigger things on their horizon to worry about, okay? So I think you can give them a, a little bit of a pass there. Let's get to the Open Cup quarterfinal matchup. See who will be throwing down for a spot in the last four of the U.S. Open Cup. Ooh, some nice matchups there. All right. Let's talk about the potential cup sets first. Pittsburgh is going to go to FC Cincinnati. Meanwhile, Birmingham gets to host Inter-Miami. And then we got Chicago Fire against the Houston Dynamo, RSL against the LA Galaxy. Check out the US Open Cup on the website, usopencup.com. Also follow them on Twitter and Instagram as well. We are headed to the last eight of the US Open Cup. Two USL teams in the last eight for the third Open Cup in a row. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Open Cup used to be on ESPN Plus. Not anymore. We're sad, but the Bundesliga still is. Season wrapping up this Saturday. How about our guys at Hoffenheim? Big 4-2 winners last weekend over Union Berlin. A result that all but assures they'll stay up. Full credit to our guy Pellegrino Matarazzo, who took over back in February. At that point, Hoffenheim were winless in nine and three points from the relegation zone. Now they're effectively safe. It would take some crazy slash impossible math for Hoffenheim not to stay up. That leaves Augsburg, Stuttgart, Bochum, and Schalke all hoping to avoid joining Hertha Berlin in Bundesliga 2 next season. Joining us next on Football Americas, the pride of Wayne, New Jersey, and Colombia men's soccer, as well as the manager of Hoffenheim, of course, in the Bundesliga, Pellegrino Matarazzo. Coach, great to have you back on the show. Nice to be here. Nice to see you. All right, so I'm looking at the permutations here for the last week of Bundesliga play. Technically, Hoffenheim is not safe, right? You got to get a point. But even if you lose, Bochum would have to make up 26 goals on you guys, I think. So... Do you feel safe? Like, are you sleeping at night as, as if you're safe? Uh, I, I always sleep at night. Well, at least most, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, but yes, we, we do actually feel safe because we, um, you know, we're, we're realistic. Uh, the probability of um, anything happening is very, very slim. So we, we're feeling good right now. So you do that math. Obviously, that's the goal when you take the job in February is, is to keep this team up. What's that, what's that feeling, that sensation when you finally know, hey, we, we've done it. We're safe. Yeah, yeah, extremely uh, satisfying. I think uh, you know the, the situation in uh, when you fight against relegation is is very complicated. 
you know, just to feel enormous pressure. Uh, the guys feel enormous pressure. You, you feel um, there's like moments of self-doubt or doubting within within the team. So just uh, still finding, you know, ways to, to perform and bring any energy on the pitch is always um, you need a lot, lot of effort, you know, a lot of focus, a lot of effort. And uh, the guys just rewarded themselves in the last couple of weeks with, with good performances. Uh, with sticking together, staying as a unit, working as a unit, and of course, um, you know, reaching our goals just does uh, does a lot for the the feeling of uh, well-being. You mentioned the self-doubt, and I wonder, as a manager, if you ever think about, especially with your American ties, you know, what it would be like to coach in a system where there wasn't relegation, and and maybe what that would allow you or not allow you to do. Do you ever think about that? Yeah, well, I do because um, you know. I've, Two years in a row, we've fought against relegation, and just the feeling of, uh, you know, that is is something very different and very special um, in in its own way. Uh, I think if there was no relegation, there was, you can start to prepare differently for the for the coming season, um, and of course, if uh, but there, there maybe a different emotion. You know, I, I think uh, the relegation battle just uh, gives the fan more. Uh, more emotion and that's what football is all about so um, you know I'm, I'm happy it's I'm happy it's here I'm happy to have experienced it twice and of course successfully because if not then uh, I don't think the feeling's too great let's go back coach to when you take take over here like three months ago there's a word in Spanish bombero no like firefighter for, for the coach that comes in when the team's uh, in need of a boost how is that role different how does that work different? Because you're still the manager, but how does that work different from maybe what you were doing at a place like Stuttgart where you'd, you'd been for quite a while? I think uh, if you come to a new team, um, you know, you have the process of, of getting to know what's going on. So you, you, what's the situation? Where are the players at? Where's the team at? Where's the club at? So you, um, it's new. You know, first and foremost, if you've been at a club for a while, you, you've been part of the development, so you know exactly what's going on. So you need to, if you want to change something in a, in a club where you're already at and need to get them out of a hole, then you need to change yourself or change your approach. So if you're coming to a new club, you um, whatever you do is new. So it's all about like first diagnostics, just uh, like I said, finding out what's what's the problem, what are the team, what's the team need, what does each player need uh, to to get into performance. So it's it's a bit different, uh, but. But similar in a way because you know it's getting out of the holes. It's, uh, the situation is the same. You know, if you're there, you're there, and uh, you're dealing with the same, same feelings, same emotions, and so just about reinventing yourself or just coming in new and uh, and doing your thing. Coach, one of the guys that you've leaned on in this run, John Brooks. He was recently put on the U.S. men's national team preliminary list for the Concacaf Nations. What are you seeing from this player, and, and what do you think he could bring at the international level? Yeah, we, we, you know, we call, call him Jay. I mean, he's called John Brooks. Jay is, uh, he was so important for us in uh, these last games. Uh, the first couple of games he needed to, to find his, his rhythm, uh, to get into performance. We tried him out on the left, um, left defensive back. Um, and I think the biggest, the biggest impact he had on our team when he started playing in the middle center back position in the back three. He, um, just his calmness is uh, on the ball is gives us you know composure uh, his defensive intelligence um, just helped stabilize our whole whole defensive line I think even the stats show in the last 10 games how how good we were defensively and a lot of that has to do with with Jay and the performance he he gave us you know, he's um 
with his experience, with his know-how, he, uh, he gave the team uh, One of your big wins on this run was against Bayern Munich. You made some history when you beat Bayern Munich because you did it twice in the same season at Bayern Munich. That, that's the first time ever, right? What did that feel like? <laughs> I mean, the stat, I'm going to be honest, the stat doesn't give me too much. I would have preferred to win twice and uh, it would have felt better. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was um, just the confirmation of, of what the guys had been doing even the weeks before and, and the path we're on. So I think that's, that game was just a confirmation of, of we were going and the performance we were bringing. Uh, for me personally, the stat doesn't mean too much. Yeah. I had to bring that up because I want to ask you about the Bundesliga title race, and, and you seem to have had a huge influence on it. Uh, we talked, I think, in one of our interviews, maybe even last season, about you know whether Bayern's dominance in the Bundesliga was kind of good for German football or bad for German football. Now they got some competition. What do you make uh, of the title race that's about to be decided this weekend? Well, it's, uh, of course, it's super interesting, and it, it helps the, the league. It makes it more and more attractive. I think this, this year in the Bundesliga is... Uh, whether it's the, the the fight for the title or even the relegation fight, it's been, everything's been so close. So I think um, throughout the whole table, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting matchups, and um, you know, with the last going to the last game and the title not being decided, it's it's a big plus for the Bundesliga. You've got just the one game left. It happens, of course, to be against the club you were at at the beginning of the season, Stuttgart. They're kind of in a similar situation in terms of still trying to technically mathematically avoid the drop is that is that awkward for you i know like if i was if i was going up against a, a team that had let me go you know I, I would feel a certain way about it how do you feel no not really i mean what, what i feel is uh, a little ex excitement excitement to be to be there again to see familiar faces people i've worked with for three years and like very intensely that's uh, certainly very very nice um you know we're we're going there of course very professionally we're going to win uh we, we play to win um even if um regardless of the results uh we most probably would be staying in the league but we still play to win um and i think it's in general like when you go back to an old club uh, after years have been working there it's always a special moment so i look i gotta ask you about the u.s job it is available a lot of people are you know looking at jesse marsh as kind of the leading candidate right now when you saw that that job came open you know after the world cup how much did it register with you how much focus did you give it how much thought did you give it well i, I don't uh i don't give anything much thought until it actually presents itself hmm. uh, so i'm i'm doing what i'm doing here um i'm very happy where i am uh, at the moment so uh like I said, I, I start to give thought to something when it when it crosses my path, and uh, something like that has not crossed my path yet. So I don't give it any thought until it's uh, until something's there. I saw you did an interview with our colleague Archie Rin Tut, and you talked about giving back to soccer in the U.S. Uh, what did you mean there? Taking on the job as U.S. national team trainer is that something that is on your? Your horizon is an ambition one day? At some point, uh, I do feel like it's time to give back to, to, to soccer in the States, but um, when that time will be, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that was actually the first time I gave it any thought is when he asked me the question. <laughs> Let's go, Archie. <laughs> I, was, I was a little surprised. Yeah, Best I regards. could tell. I could tell in the post game. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, I, I see I see the soccer growing in the states uh, rapidly. I see the the academies doing good work. I see so many boys and girls playing 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 soccer. I think it's just a question of time until um, you know the U.S. plays a, a bigger role on the on the world stage of soccer. Um, and you know, giving back means you know I you know I, I spent so much time in my, my whole youth. Uh, I was twenty. 22 years old when I left the state, so that's it's given me so much to to who I am, and uh, just wanted to at some point in the future just going back and, and giving back. It's just more of a feeling of, of gratefulness of what I've what I had, uh, you know, growing up. And uh, you know, soccer was, you know, I grew up grew up in the states playing soccer, and I know what it meant to be a soccer player in the in the 80s, in the 90s, yeah, and what a small role it played. And I, I seen it grow with the first World Cup in 94. And uh, just being part of that process of, of soccer growing would, um, would be, I think, a nice nice way to give something back to, to, to soccer in the States. Whether it's this time around, next time around, do you want to be considered for the national team manager job? I, uh, like I said, um, I said this to Archie, and I say this to you as well. Uh, I am. I don't really make too many plans anymore. I, I you know, I used to make plans um, years back, and then I realized until I realized none of them really work out the way you what you plan. <laughs> I just, I just look to be the best best coach I can be, and when something crosses my path, then I decide whether or not that's the right step I want to take at the moment. So right now I'm just being the best Hoffenheim trainer I can be, and I look to improve every day uh, in my craft and what I'm doing. And then uh, we'll just see what the what the future holds. Hold on, Coach. Are you are you telling me that when you were at Columbia University, you didn't plan to be a Bundesliga manager? No, I did not. I did not. <laughs> I was. Uh, I knew I wanted to play football. I knew I uh, the passion for soccer was was too big to step into the business world. So that's why I came over to Europe. Uh, so there was there was some driving force behind my decision making, which wasn't really too conscious of, but I it had to do with, uh, you know, that passion for, for the game. And uh, so I am where I am now because of that passion. Um, so I'm not making plans anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, congratulations. I don't want to say on keeping Hoffenheim up. It, technically, uh, it hasn't happened yet. But look, 26 goals, coach. You're safe. Pop the bottles. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the, the game against Stuttgart as well. Great to have you here on Football Americas and enjoy the offseason. You've earned it. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was nice to see you again. And take care. All the best. Thanks, coach. All right. There he is, Pellegrino Matarazzo, great friend of the show here on Football Americas. And there you see the numbers. An impressive turnaround for Hoffenheim under the New Jersey native. All right, Herc, so a lot to pick out from that interview. What were your big takeaways? Uh, I, I just really hope you didn't jinx uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo <laughs> with the 26 goals. <laughs> Listen, he's an extremely bright individual. I mean, that's the first thing that pops off uh, from the, or pops out at you from the interviews, how extremely bright he is, how humble he is. It's no easy feat. I think you mentioned it. You called him a bombero. You called him a specialist. He's gotten mm. maybe... I don't know if that unjust fame, but he's very good at it. He's very good at turning around situations at the highest of levels in the Bundesliga. So you have to, you know, give that to him. He feels like a man that wants to be wanted. Uh, mm. And what I mean by that is you kept pressing him about the yeah. U.S. men's national team and that interest. And he was very polite and educated about the way he answered. And listen, 
I don't want to talk about this or even go there until there's interest. If there's interest, we can go there. But till then, it's out of my realm. So it speaks volumes to somebody who can kind of compartmentalize and take that away from, from his posture and just concentrate on what's in front of him. Yeah, I mean, to that point, they got to talk to this guy, right? At least if you're doing a thorough search, and, and we, we believe what we've been told so far that Jesse Marsh is the leading candidate, so you're clearly, if not only looking at Americans, at least focusing on Americans, Herc. I know we've debated whether Marsh is better than Matarazzo. You're on one side of that. I'm on the Matarazzo side. But you have to at least talk to this guy because there's just not that many people. If this is a true and honest search, I mean, I feel like he's more than earned an interview. I don't know, Seb. Why? Because what more could he do? What more could an American coach do than go to the go. Bundesliga and that's, have success that's exactly, in two places? That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, you don't have to be American to coach the U.S. men's national team. So if your only, if your only requisite for an interview is because he's an American and he meets the bare minimum, I'm not with that. Uh, yeah. I, I think if you've, if, I'm, I'm saying based on the fact that Jesse Marsh seems hurt to be to be the leading candidate based on the reports we're hearing, you would assume they're not looking at a global candidate pool. They are looking at a pool that is mostly American. Otherwise, you wouldn't land on Jesse Marsh. Well, you would land on Jesse Marsh regardless. Of all the coaches if in the world, American if you had a, a, a Hold total. On. Let me finish. Regardless if it's American or not, there there are reasons you would land on an interview for Jesse Marsh, right? Uh, he's been in the Premier League and the Bundesliga in the last 18 months, two years, if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, he was in the Champions League. He knows the pool very well. Uh, he happens to have experience in the domestic game. Mm-hmm. He happens to have experience at the academic level, or I'm sorry, at a uh, academy level within mm-hmm. the domestic game. There are reasons you can land on an interview for Jesse Marsh. Whether or not he's your man, that's a completely different subject. Yeah. I don't necessarily think there's a reason you have to land on, on Pellegrino here. You know, Pellegrino's a specialist. You said so yourself. Uh, you called him a bombero, which I think is no, a fair No, I said assessment. he's a bombero in this role. His role at Stuttgart was not bombero. Huh? He was there for a while. And he, and he got him not just promoted, but then stayed up. Those are well, two very different oh, roles. Oh, that's a bombero. Uh, I mean, with all due respect, if you're talking about Bundesliga. So any manager in the second division is a bombero now? No, 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 no. But that's been his role is trying to keep teams afloat. Would you agree with that? When they're in the Bundesliga, yes, but when you're okay. taking a team from the second flight that's, that's to the fine, first but, flight, but you're not trying to stay afloat. To, I don't want to talk about the second division anywhere. And not when I'm talking about the U.S. men's national team coach. Not when I'm trying to get at mm-hmm. that level, get them to that level. You know, I want to know what you can do at the highest of levels, and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Now, does he need to be interviewed solely on the fact that he's American? Well, get David Wagner out as well. You know, like, that's, that shouldn't be a requisite. You should take an interview with people that make sense. Pellegrino's an awesome story. He, he's a great manager. I agree. I just don't think he's at the level right now to be in that orbit. Mm. Mm. All right. We will have to agree, as we often do on this show, to disagree. The man who's charged with hiring the next U.S. men's national team manager is, of course, Matt Crocker. Hasn't taken over the sporting director job on a full-time basis yet. He will in early August, but he's already working. And he had some interesting comments in a Q&A with the U.S. soccer website. Here's what we've got. Quote, interviews in June, narrow the list of candidates, engage in midsummer. Aim is to have a new coach in place by the end of the summer, although it's possible club circumstances could impact the timeline. I think we got, uh, yeah, a couple mix-ups in there. Uh, What we have is a list of candidates who, based on our initial research, we think will fit the profile. We already have had a number of conversations with some of the candidates. Okay, Herc. Matt Crocker seems to be spilling some beans, or maybe a bean, something, nothing, or everything from these comments. 
something. I don't know how much truth I find in them. Um, maybe it's a game of um, take them off your scent. Now, yes. you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I know exactly. I think I know exactly where you're going, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, and I'm just, and I like what Crocker's doing here. And, and uh, listen, he also mentioned in this interview that Anthony Hudson would be the guy leading the team most likely, not only in the Nations League, but co the CONCACAF uh, Gold Cup. So come August is when we may see somebody at the helm. And it got me thinking of why you would do that, right? And then mm -hmm. now, now this makes sense, right? What do you have to gain if you're the new U.S. men's national team coach and you don't have time to work with the players and you come into these first two tournaments? What do you have to gain? Very little, right? This is a team that already came off winning two tournaments last summer. Uh, they won with two different teams, by the way, the, the Nations League and the Gold Cup. So don't give him that responsibility or give that person that responsibility because the only thing that can happen is they lose, then goes awry, and there's more pressure on this Perfect. coach. That is such a scared approach. That is such, if, you, if you think you've got the right guy, you go with conviction, you hire him, and you let him work, and you say, hey, if you fail in the Gold Cup with a B team, we'll, we'll eat the criticism. Yeah, U.S. soccer is not about eating the criticism. Now I'm just telling you what I think, my theory. Okay, it doesn't mean that's what they're, that they're doing. Mm -hmm. This is what makes sense to me. Whether you agree with it or not, that's a different question. Um, but this is more of take them off my scent type of deal. Uh, not giving pressure, not putting more pressure on the eventual coach. I feel, whether we agree with it or not, different discussion, but I think this is what's going on. Yeah, you saw it's an interview with the U.S. Soccer website, right? So then when I see that, I'm like, to be honest, it reads a little bit like a press release at yes, that point. Yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? I think that's what you're getting at before. And in a press release... Every word matters, right? You don't put anything in a press release unless there's a point. So when you talk about throwing people off the scent, when he says club and that club might, you know, push the timeline on the higher back, what well, makes you think, okay, well, he's not talking about Jesse Marsh, right? Because right. Jesse Marsh right now doesn't have a job. I think that's what may be happening here. I think, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube. The cat is starting to get out of the bag in terms of the Jesse Marsh links. And whether it's because... They haven't really gotten that far with Jesse Marsh, or they don't want it to appear that they've gotten that far with Jesse Marsh when Matt Crocker, or sorry, when Crocker still hasn't even taken over. Um, I think that may be what they're doing here, saying, hey, give us some time, pump the brakes on all the talk, including Jesse Marsh, because we're going to do our due diligence. Is that what you think? Yes, and also, I mean, they could already, not saying this happened, they could have already landed on Jesse Marsh and just saying, well, we still need to interview others because we need to make it look like an expanded search like we actually overturned uh each stone like we were actually looking mm -hmm. at other people mm -hmm. and listen man maybe there was a discussion with jesse marsh i'm not saying this happened but jesse marsh like okay i will take the team over on this date and it didn't coincide with the two tournaments that we were talking about yep there you have it so uh, matt crocker speaking to the u.s soccer website and telling us that they may have a manager by the end of the summer ESPN Plus, your home for the Bundesliga. And as you heard from Pellegrino Matarazzo, the title race coming down to the last day of the season. Coverage starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus. We got Bayern Munich two points behind Borussia Dortmund. Munich against Cologne, Dortmund against Mainz. Don't miss a minute of the action early on Saturday morning. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Speaking of Germany, Timothy Tillman. It's officially official now, U.S. soccer, confirming that FIFA has approved the 24-year-old's one-time switch. Remember, he represented Germany at the youth national team level. Tillman with two goals in 10 appearances so far for LAFC this season. He is, of course, the brother of U.S. international Malik Tillman. So Tillman times two coming to the U.S. men's national team. And this one of five dual nats that have been locked up under Anthony Hudson. Pretty impressive list. If you look at them, all of them there under the age of 25 as the dual national continues to become a bigger and bigger part of the U.S. program. And Herc, with that in mind, it's time for a top five. Time to rank the Hudson Five, the dual nats that Anthony Hudson has locked up for the U.S. MNT. Anthony Hudson. Now, you refuse to do a top five list, so this is Seb's perfect because well, it's, it's not Anthony five. Hudson's, but go ahead. Sorry, these are the five players who have officially committed by playing in a game that capitized them to the U.S. under Hudson. Of course, we can give credit for these recruitments to anybody, but that's, that's what we're going here with these five. Number one, Fowler and Balligan. No doubt about that. Number two, Timothy Tillman. Number three, Taylor Booth. Number four, Johnny Cardoso. And I'm, I'm leaving him last, Alejandro or Alex Zendejas. Herc, what do you think of my five-man list here and the order I put it in? All right, let me, let me just start um, <clears throat> at the most obvious one for me. Mm -hmm. You have Timothy Tillman at number two. Yes. Now, as a player of 24 years of age who's gone backwards in his career, he, he's essentially been a perennial Bundesliga two player. He's had one good – he's had not even a good season. He's had one season in the Bundesliga, the majority in Bundesliga two. And after 20 competitive games for LAFC in league play and CONCACAF Champions League – Two goals, two assists, and you're ready to not only throw him onto the U.S. Men's National, but say, hey, also the number two most important player in this setup when you have the likes of Taylor Booth, who has been linked with Ajax and PSV mm -hmm. as of late, holds an Italian passport. We could see him in the Serie A, been doing very well in his club in the Eredivisie. You've got Johnny Cardozo, who's doing very well in Brazil, who happens to be maybe the most important player if you look about, if you think about this in the pool right now, because you don't have a solid backup mm. for Tyler Adams. And then, we're going to go from there, you just left out Sendejas for no apparent reason. Sendejas, this is where it's interesting to me, because Sendejas can actually make a jump and go to Europe, while Timothy Tillman, I'm sorry, yeah, went from Europe to Major League Soccer. He's going backwards here. Sendejas has actual interest and expressed said interest in playing abroad. He's seen what his teammates, his colleagues at the U-17 level did. Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre. He was with those guys. And when you speak to guys like Alejandro Sendejas and a Brandon Vasquez, who were there with those guys, they think of it, they're there. I want to be there. So while one is taking the leap of faith going there, the other one is going to Major League Soccer, and you've capped him at number two. Right. Now, very good player, sure, but mm -hmm. he's proven it at the Major League Soccer level. Go ahead. Is that it? that it? What am I, Herc, what am I if not a prisoner of the moment? We've yeah. been watching a ton of LAFC of late, and Tillman has been balling. I think he could fit nicely into the midfield. Here's well, the reality of that He started five. very hot. He started very hot. He did. 
Here's the reality of that five. It's one and then the other four. Balogun is, is a starter yes. impact. Everybody else is, I don't believe, a starter impact. Zendekas at the end is French. harsh. Yeah. But I look at that. I look at that position. I see. I see Reyna, who I know you can move. I see Pulisic. I see Wea. I see a ton of options there. That's going to be really tough for him to hack through in terms of starting time. With Tillman and Booth, why I move them up is they just have pure quality. I think in midfield you got you need some guys with pure quality. So that's why they're at the top of the list. I know. I know Cardoso is of a position of need hurt, but when I think of Cardoso. If Tyler Adams is healthy, not only are you not starting, you're not playing because Tyler Adams is going to eat up every single minute that matters. I love Tyler uh, Taylor Booth, and I, and I really love Tillman, and I think those type of skilled players that can fit in an eight, which you've got two of, they can fit maybe out wide, they can play any number of attacking roles, are very, very useful at the national team level. I like both those guys. Guess what Timothy Tillman needs to do to be a fringe player on the U.S. men's national team? What are you going to tell me? Go to Europe? No. Oh. Beat out his little brother. Different positions, right? Different roles. No, oh, very similar roles. Very similar roles. Interiors right there. One is younger. The other one is in Europe. Uh, listen, Tim, you very prisoner of the moment of you. And listen, mm -hmm. you got me in a top five with Flo, with Flo Balogun. Not even talking about Flo Balogun. Yeah. Think, think about that for a second. Now, this is easily the most exciting duel net that's come out since Giuseppe Rossi. That's a reality because of the mm. position, because of what he's already done in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. And we're sitting here talking about Timothy Thumman because you're a prisoner of the moment. Now, <laughs> now I, I firmly believe, if not because Jose Cifuentes at LAFC is already checked out and going to Rangers himself, like already going to make the jump, he would be behind him. I think Cifuentes is a better player. But he's played and he started out hot in what I would say is – mid-level competition in the games that he has played and done well when he started out hot in the beginning, but it's cooled as of late. So let's hold your horses uh, like we're giving Anthony Hudson credit here for these uh, dual nats. Let's hold your horses for a second and okay. just tame the expectations on Tillman. Okay, the Timothy Tillman hype train then put severely in check by Hercules Gomez. Let's move on to Major League Soccer, shall we, Herc? City you used to live in? going to have an MLS expansion side soon. And we've got a report that's identified who could be the man in charge of said expansion side in San Diego. And it's none other than our current colleague at ESPN Deportes, iconic Mexican footballer, one time manager of the Mexican national team as well, Hugo Sanchez. Herc, Hugo Sanchez for San Diego FC or FC San Diego. What do you think? About the name or Hugo Sanchez? <laughs> no, Hugo Sanchez. The name's terrible. <laughs> All right, let me tell you, first impressions are obviously the things that you don't like or don't make sense. Um, okay. Hugo Sanchez is not coached for the better part of a decade, right? He's coming into a league that he knows very little about when in terms of coaching that has rules and regulations unlike any other league on this planet. Um... The last clubs, because it's been over a decade since he's coached, that he has coached in Pachuca and Almeria, didn't really go the way that one would have liked. Here's what I do like about Hugo Sanchez. Um, mm -hmm. When we look at what he's done, I mean, just the name recognition, the immediate injection of life you get from an Hugo Sanchez is Hugo Sanchez, Penta Pichichi, five-time you know, golden boot winner in La Liga, four times with Real Madrid, like he's a legend. And when you talk about Hugo Sanchez, well, also as the coach, I mean, coach the Mexican national team, yep. third place finish in Copa America, sure, 
Things got kind of tricky and sticky on his way out, but then look at what he did in the club level. Yeah. Pumas was the first bicampeon mm -hmm. in, in its modern history of that format. That, that means back-to-back -back champions. He's done good things. He knows a thing or two. He also has history with the league as a mm. player. I mean, the Dallas Burn, he was a player for the Dallas Burn. He has that going for him. He also has history in San Diego folklore. He played with the San Diego Soccers. He also happens to be a San Diego resident. He lives in Coronado. So there are a lot of things that kind of make sense here, like mm -hmm. what he can give you at the world stage because of that name. But there are so many things that tell me this is just a bad idea if it happens. Okay, because you painted both sides. Your gut says don't do it, San Diego? My gut says it's year one for San Diego. You need to make a splash. Do it. Um, that's where I'm with you. I, I say do it. Uh, of course, a guy that hasn't managed in 10 years, there's some concern there. But think about all the competition that San Diego has uh, in that market. And we've talked about it just in the soccer sense. You've got Cholos. You've got Wave. You've got Loyal. You've got your former team, San Diego Soccers. They really need to make a splash, Herc. And Hugo Sanchez is that guy. He's not just a big name. He's a big personality. From a media standpoint, man, I got to say, I would absolutely love, love to have Hugo Sanchez in this league. I think the, the one maybe concern would be from his perspective. And I heard you guys talking about this, Herc, on Ahora Nunca with Mauricio Pedrosa. What does this mean for Hugo next? Because we know he's always angling for the Mexican national team job. Would he be better positioned to get that job with San Diego or on the desk at Football Picante? Did you hear the... <laughs> Yes, the producer's right. He is always angling for Real Madrid. Madrid, Madrid yeah, the Real Madrid job, Real Madrid. too, of course. Yes, that is true. Um, Football Picante is la masia uh, of mm -hmm. the la Liga MX. It, it, it is true. Uh, but remind me who the last Mexican national team coach was. Uh, Tata Martino. Where did he come from before that? Atlanta United. Atlanta Major United. Soccer. Nobody right now is giving Hugo Sanchez a chance. Mm -hmm. He was interviewed for Cruz Azul. Uh, they didn't give him a chance. He's been begging, he's mm -hmm. been pleading to get back into the limelight for coaching for quite some time. Nobody's given him that chance. I think if this is a realistic opportunity, if this offer really exists or will exist, according to David Feitelson, and he, he's not the type to give a report like that if it's not backed, if there's a realistic offer, Hugo Sanchez sure. should jump at it. Yeah, when a guy like that, with that resume, is not getting work, it feels like he's kind of been blacklisted in, in his country, right? So maybe for Hugo Sanchez, this is the only and best chance that he's going to have to get back into the profession. Let's run it back with some Mexican national teamers that, like Hugo Sanchez, Herc, are scoring in Europe. Well, one, Cesar Montes, and he's also doing it in La Liga for Espanol. Oh, this sparked a comeback and kept their La Liga hopes somewhat alive. It's still a tricky situation. Got his second, but, man, they're going to need some help going forward if they want to stay in La Liga. Part of a 3-3 draw for Espanyol against Atletico Madrid. What a golazo there for Cesar Montes, the Mexican center back. Speaking of hanging banners, Orbelin Pineda and one-time Chivas manager Matias Almeida have another banner to claim. This time it's the Greek Cup. Arc. Yeah, this is what a change of scenery can do for you. He was at Santa de Vigo, wasn't getting any love, almost out of the national team picture. Makes the move, finds himself in a World Cup, and now Doble campeón in Greece. I mean, what a six months for Orbelin Pineda and Matias Almeida. Congratulations there to Orbelin Pineda, Matias Almeida. Getting it done in the Greek League and, as you see there, in the Greek Cup. 
Speaking of cups, FA Cup final, June 3rd, Manchester City. Manchester United available on ESPN2 and ESPN Plus. Coverage starts bright and early, 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Gellhart in the middle, Roberts looks for Carl, and it was nearly, nearly pushed. Uh, and it's, oh, it's a great save at the near post to deny Equan. And the ball, well, Sunderland. Shot on the turn is a really good one. Ethan Horvath did well to sprawl and touch it behind. Touch back for the shot. Ethan Horvath, equal to it though. Hollahan who goes for goal. Oh, it's a terrific effort. Horvath really had to be alert there. Right, again, thanks so much for talking to us. I mean, I think the last time that Luton were in the top flight, you were not even born. Probably. And now here you are in what arguably is their biggest <coughs> match in about 30, 31 years. Um, just talk to me about the magnitude, because I know you're new still roughly to the Luton family, but the magnitude of a game like this. Yeah, I think it's massive for them. Um, I was lucky enough to be a part of the game last year, so I know a little bit about uh, what the game means to like the Nottingham fans who have that history of winning Champions League and all of that. So, um, you know, I think you can look around here, see the stadium, see probably drove into the town, you know. So, I think the magnitude of this game is just really massive for the fans. Or Ethan, if you could just like even explain to to all of our viewers back home in the states what exactly the magnitude of a match like this is? Yeah, it's a bit hard to put into words. I mean, you know, we got the NBA Finals going on now, so it's like my hometown, Denver Nuggets are in it, so it's... Uh, shout out. Shout out, yeah. Jokic, if you... If, um, if, they, if they end up winning, it's not like they're going to end up getting 200 million or whatever the amount is for this game, you know. Um, I mean, you look around the stadium here, it's for the, for the fans, for the community, it's going to be massive. Um, I mean... Uh, to get into the Premier League is one thing, but then to have all of that, um, I mean, what, what you could do to the stadium for the fans or for the community, is, is the, it's endless. And I mean, you mentioned, of course, that the stadium, that's something that everyone's talking about, the, the expected upgrades <coughs> and the fact that Luton soon in a couple of years will have a completely different yeah. um, home. But, you know, we heard um, a couple of the guys from the, the board just talking with us too, pretty much saying how it's a good thing and a bad thing because when you're playing here, you feel like the fans are on top of you and that's helped so much. Uh, what has that been like? Just talk me through your experience of, of coming. We know yeah. your ties to four but coming to Luton and, and kind of having to make this your new home in the meantime. It's been amazing. I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough, like you say, to be Forest, um, back in Bruges. I've been lucky enough, mm -hmm. Champions League, and I've been to Real Madrid and PSG, Dortmund, and all these big stadiums, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, it's the fans that really make the atmosphere and make it make it like home advantage, home advantage. So to play at the Kendi and I mean, the perfect example was Watford game and mm -hmm. our last game against Sunderland. You know, the atmosphere was buzzing. The fans were right on top of you. Um, and I think that's a shock for some away teams, you know, because, uh, for example, the Sunderland game when we scored, I mean, the stadium exploded and like as a team, we didn't look back. We just kept going forward and the fans carried went with us. And looking at the season that you guys have had so far, I mean, I know there's still the big game to go, but overall, um, from what you expected when you just came last year to now, uh, has it, have you surprised yourself? Did you get surprised at, at the fact that, you know, now you're so close to a <coughs> Premier League berth? Uh, 
For me, yes, 100%. Um, I'd be lying if I say it, it wasn't, you know. Um, I mean, Luton had a fantastic season last year, you know, reaching to the reaching the playoffs on the last day. So um, I think everyone was thinking maybe to, to top that, like, how can we do that? And um, I mean, to finish third, we finished comfortably third. I mean, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I looked at my wife and I was like, uh, who would have thought looking at, at, at where we are now before we came? I mean, it's, it's been an unbelievable season. And uh, from personal uh, terms and for the, for the club, it's been an amazing year. And from talking and getting to know the guys around, um, of course, and the gaffer, what, what do you think has been the, I suppose, the key to, to having such a successful season so far? Oh, uh, I mean, I think number one is maybe the togetherness. Like, I've never been part of a changing room um, where the team is just so close. Um, I mean, the, the banter and the, you know, it's just... <laughs> do they make the... you feel like home from day one or do they give you some American banter? No, well, I get it every single day. They you tell know? you it's football, not soccer. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. I get it, I get it every single day, you know, like, but uh, I love it, you know, and I can give it back and, like, give and take. And um, the team is just so close and I think... Um, we're just a hungry team and I think the thing that's, um, we, we respond, I think um, we haven't lost two games back to back at all this year. Um, and I think prime example was, you know, we just went up to Sunderland, it was mm -hmm. a difficult loss, came back and we responded, you know, we did what we had to do, we got the job done. Um, we've gone 16, 17 games unbeaten and in the champ, that's a really, really difficult thing to do. So just that togetherness we have, you know, we always have each other's back. Well, walking out at Wembley for a final, I mean, it's something that, that every footballer of every level, yeah. I think, dreams of. You get to do that coming this weekend. Yeah. Um, what's the support like now? Has the family come over? Is your dad here? What's yeah, yeah, my mom and dad are here. My wife's uh, brother and, and uh, dad are going to come over. Um, those are the ones that can make it, but like I know back home in Colorado, a real close family and friends will be watching it, and I know I have the support from everybody. We'll have to call the Nuggets to get it on, on a big yeah, screen yeah, there yeah. or something, yeah, right? Yeah, come on. I know. On. We'll have to put in a word there yeah, for that. Yeah. And I mean, just overall, what would it mean for you on a personal level to play in the Premier League um, and get that spot going through Luton, with Luton, as as you said, who have kind of become like another family to you? Yeah, I mean, the absolute world, you know, like I, I was lucky enough to do it last year. I played mm -hmm. uh, a bit of a role in Nottingham's last year, a couple of games I had to play, you know, which ended up being like an important run of games. Um, but. To, to be able to, like you say, walk out on the pitch starting 11 and to do it after playing 50 plus games. I mean, um, the, the champ is no joke. Like yeah. it's, it's a big, big season, big sacrifice. It's a grind and um, after 90 minutes, 120 penalties, whatever it is, like uh, if it happens to be our day, like it's, it's gonna be an emotional day for sure. I'm pretty sure, not just for me, but for the whole, everybody, you know, I mean, Luton have come so from so yeah. far, so to be able to do this is going to be amazing. And career-wise, how big of a moment is, is this for you right now, especially potentially getting ready to play in the Premier League? Because we know that with the U.S., you guys keep blessing us with some top goalkeepers, so I know the competition yeah. ain't easy at all. No, We've no, obviously no. got Matt as well yeah. um, in the Premier League. You know, Zach almost yeah. could have made it there too. Yeah. You, of course, get your name up there now. Yeah. In your career now, how do you feel you are? Uh, right now, I feel like I've been the best that I've been, um, you know, play Champions League and all that. But like this moment right now, I feel like I've been the best that I've been, the best that I've felt. And 
um, back to earlier, you know, was a bit of a selfish decision to come here for my career. And um, looking back on it, I'm happy that I did it. It's really paid off and um, was blessed enough to go to a World Cup. And um, now hopefully on Saturday, we're lucky enough to get promoted to the Prem. And uh, it's, it's life changing, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be life changing stuff. Great stuff as always from Alexis Nunez and her pretty good stuff here. A good season for Ethan Horvath. Amazing season for Ethan Horvath. Who would have thought talking about goalkeepers for the U.S. and it's Ethan Horvath who we're talking about having the most successful season. Ethan Horvath and Luton Town on the edge of the Premier League and you can find out if they make it right here on ESPN+. It's the promotion playoff final. Luton Town, Coventry City, Saturday, 11.15 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN+. And Herc, that'll do it for this edition of the show. We do have a programming note, though. We got a long weekend, especially you. That's right. Memorial Day on Monday, did you know? Why do I have a long weekend? Well, no Football Americas on Monday. We're on Tuesday, oh. and we will have a full recap of not just the first, but the second leg as well of the Liga Mekis final. Herc, you want to pick your overall winner? Say that again. You want to pick your overall winner? Uh, Tigres. Tigres TV. As if there was ever going to be a you? doubt. You? There he is, Hercules Gomez. Uh, I'll go Chivas just to be different. Oh, the man, that hurt my soul. Chivas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>